And we're back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider postseason style. You know, once we get into the postseason, uh, we do these uh, every couple of weeks or so. And so now tis the season to be talking about, uh, you know, coaching rumors, to be talking about, uh, you know, guys entering the draft, uh, portal options. That is a, a season in and of itself, right? So joining me to talk about all those things as they relate to Michigan basketball, like he does every time so well. A guy who wore the uniform for the maize and blue was a first-round draft pick out of the University of Michigan, played in the NBA for 10 years before putting on his broadcaster hat where he does an excellent job as well. Talking about my guy, Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Sam. Happy Easter to you and your family. Uh, this is always a fun time of the year. It seems like 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 a million years ago that the season ended. Um, and I, I spent some time the other day. I started getting a little antsy and I started looking at the transfer portal, identifying guys that I've seen that I like, guys that were at the top 100 camp. And then I said, forget this. Like, it's such a waste of time <laughs> because we have no idea what the roster will look like based on the fact that Hunter and Caleb and Musa have big decisions to make. And that's going to drive what Juwan Howard and his crew are going to do. Uh, you said a mouthful there, uh, Tim, because I, I look at the portal, just like you look at different guys, Adam Miller went in. I was like, yeah, you brought him up uh, one of the last episodes. I mean, that'd be a great shooter to add. Antoine Davis just went in the portal. And my phone blew up immediately when he went. It's like, hey, is Michigan going to look at Antoine Davis? And my reply is, they don't have a, a scholarship, Tim. Like, they literally don't have a scholarship right now to be able to offer those guys. It's that, that limbo-like existence that they're in right now where they're waiting for their guys to decide for sure. Like, to know without any sort of equivocation what they're gonna gonna do and that word hasn't come through yet and you really can't move on other guys until you know for sure what's going to happen with the guys that are on your current roster and i and i believe that that they won't have scholarships i think there's a a good chance and i think i said this right away that i i think that two of three uh, will return and three of three is a possibility um, and, and also I believe our coach will return as well. Yeah. So let's, let's start there because that is, that was the, the hot rumor late last week and early into this week. Now, Janine Howard, I thought threw a lot of cold water on it yeah. by saying, I, I wish they would stop saying he wants to stay to coach his sons. He, these are all our sons and he wants to coach all of them. Uh, that was just, that just furthered the opinion for me that, it was highly unlikely that he would follow through on it. I think you got to listen because it's the Lakers, right, Tim? But the, the idea that he would leave to take that job right now in this moment is always seems a little far-fetched to me. When I heard the rumor about Juwan to L.A., I just I had a pretty good laugh. Um, it, it makes sense because of Rob Polinka and LeBron James and his relationship. Um, it, it really was a good thought, but I, I can come up with 10 reasons why it's really pretty comical. Um, and the first one is Jet and Jace. I, I just, I think it's one of the greatest thrills to be able to coach your sons. And Juwan has had a lot of amazing 
and impactful and meaningful basketball experiences. When, when he's an old man sitting on the rocking chair on his porch, thinking back on his life, I really think that he's going to say that coaching his boys for Michigan, his alma mater, is one of the greatest experiences that he's ever had. Uh, in terms of money, Juwan's worth, what, 80, 90, maybe more million dollars. And, and so going to L.A. And, and getting those big NBA coaching bucks is not going to matter. He's already got that. And, and when you, you think about the fact that when, when you're looking about the, the L.A. Lakers, that, that's such an amazing, prestigious opportunity. Um, I like Wayne Ellington and Avery Bradley is a nice guy and Dwight Howard and Malik Monk. But, but you know, it's different. I think that Juwan really loves the mentoring component um, to, to be someone that can build relationships and shape lives. And Juwan is an accountability partner where, you know, he gives the guys a vision and he tries to help make it a reality. I think that's a, a, a big part of who he is. Um, what else? The, the roster is a big problem. Uh, LeBron's 38. AD has health issues. Um, Russell Westbrook, there, there's all kinds of rumors about him. They need shooters. So that's a problem. Like, why would you take that job? And then is it a prestigious job? It is. It's a destination job for sure. Living in LA is awesome, but it doesn't do you any good because of, of a, a limited roster, you're going to get fired in two years. So, so that doesn't make sense. And then maybe the most important thing, you know, like when, when my wife comes out and is definitive about something, like I make note of that. And, <laughs> and like, like I, I know that it's important to make good decisions. And so when Janine basically came out and she had a big old bucket of water and she threw it right on top of it and said, no, this is not going to happen. So um, one thing, though, I mean, Sam, don't you think that Juwan will someday coach in the NBA? I think it's a very strong possibility. I'm not one to uh, to speak for speak for him and what he's going to do. I, you know, I, I don't know where that ranks on his priority list, but just from the outside looking in my personal expectation. Yeah, I think I think he will. I think, you know, just reading enough of, and hearing him talk about uh, coaching in the NBA, I remember hearing the, the comment that the only college job he would have come back for was was Michigan. I, I think he'll want to test those waters at some point. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. You start with what we've talked about here so many times. You coach Kellen. Mm -hmm. And it's like you – I hear – when I see you talk about that, I mean, it almost feels like that's your best basketball. I mean, you, all the great basketball success you've had, Tim, your first round draft pick, star at Michigan, 10 years in the NBA. The look on your face is different when you talk about coaching your kid, man. There's just, I, you can't put a price tag on that, especially for someone who has more money than he can ever spend. And so you, you start there. Now, I said, I understand the Lakers are. That is the premier franchise in basketball. I understand listening to that, but you laid out the circumstances on that roster. LeBron is going to be there another year, period. I think he's going back to Cleveland personally. AD has had injury. Let's assume that AD is healthy. 
even if you get a, a LeBron at 100% and AD at 100%, Russell Westbrook is an albatross. I don't mean this in any dispa- disparaging sense, but his fit on this roster is bad, and it's not going to get any better, and you can't move him. He makes $47 million. You're stuck there. And the five coaches since Phil Jackson, Tim, none of them have gone past three years. None of them. Mike Brown went one. They had a couple go two years. Frank Vogel got fired after three years, and he won a championship. Hmm. You are not going to last in that job with this roster. So you can look at it another way too, Tim. Turn it down now. You can get that job in three years, right? Because it's going to be open, right? This is how it's going to go with the Lakers. Yeah, I um, I, I actually would love to see Juwan coach in the NBA, but not yet. You know, it, it's unrealistic to think that 20 years from now, he's still going to be coaching in Michigan. It's just, it's, it, I just don't see it happening. He's a great leader. He's an ambassador. He's been groomed for this. And, and I, I think that, that he has unfinished business. Look, go ahead and take us to a final four and beyond. And we'll, you know, we'll drive you to the airport and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and that, that would be a great thing. And, Sam, you're right. Co- coaching my son, you know, helping out with my daughter in volleyball. Those are the greatest memories. Um, I was sharing with somebody just the other day, and and I think you'll appreciate this, that when Kellen was in second, third, fourth grade, and you know, he was really getting into it, it was a day like, like this time of year. It was in the spring. And for Christmas, I had received a new desk chair um, in my office. And so the old one was in the, the garage and he said, hey, dad, let's go shoot. And so it was hot out. OK. And so I, um, I said, hey, let me grab my rebounding chair. And he said, what's a rebounding chair? And I just pushed the, the chair out and I sat it under the, the, the rim and I said, here's the deal. I'll stay here as long as you want. I'll be here till dinner if you want. If you make the shot, it's going to land in my lap. I'm going to throw it right back to you. And if you miss, it's going to roll down the driveway and you've got to go get it. <laughs> and so for hour after hour, we sat there. And the greatest thing about it is he was just stroking the ball and wasn't thinking about what he was saying. He was just sharing from his heart. He was talking about girls at school and the teacher that he didn't like and what somebody said and asking innocent questions. And man, it was it was so incredible to to be able to make that connection and to also be able to share, you know, a sport that I love so much. So th- those are the things that Juwan has coming. And remember, he may not have really fully embraced them with both Jace and Jet because he was on the Miami Heat coaching staff when those guys were really growing up. He he may get himself a rebounding chair, Sam, and set it up at Chrysler Arena. Well, listen. I bet you, I bet you not one year of their basketball playing lives has Juwan Howard seen, has Juwan seen every game, every one of their games. I bet there can't have been a season. Right. That's true. Never, never. He's going to have that now. So, and and I want to be clear when I talk about, hey, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I'm not talking about it not making sense from the Lakers standpoint. Like, I, I think Juwan Howard, he could go coach the Lakers and they would be better. I truly believe that. You you need someone like Juwan to to manage the guys, the Eagles on our and can keep them in check. Like you there are very few coaches I think that can manage a roster like this. Spolster can do it. I mean, you see him challenge Dwayne Wade when he was there. You saw him 
getting uh, Jimmy Butler's face this year, right? You know, he could do it. Pop could do it. I mean, there are a few guys in the NBA, but it's going to take a, a, a guy with the kind of clout of a Juwan Howard, the kind of respect that he commands to be able to get the most out of that roster, to get the kind of buy-in. So I get it. I get why he's a candidate. And I think he would do a good job. He wouldn't win a championship because no one can with that roster. No one can win a championship with that roster. So, again, it's not saying that Juwan wouldn't make them better. He absolutely would. But that's a perilous circumstance, that roster right now, that no one is going to be able to coach past. So that's what I don't want to downplay. Uh, you know, no one can do that job is really what I wanted to get. It's as far as the championship level is concerned. So that, that bodes well for Michigan because that all lends itself to him coming back. And remember, the roster doesn't matter. LeBron doesn't matter. You know, $12 million a year doesn't matter because Janine said, no, <laughs> you're going to coach your sons and you're going to finish this out. So thank you, Janine. Good call. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you, you put that aside. Coaches aren't going to be able to use that. I was a little concerned that, you know, is that going to be something that they can lay the hammer down that might affect them when it comes to the portal. I mean, you aren't really looking to fill out with any 22s right now. It's really the portal considerations and recruiting to a certain extent, which you're, you know, you're still a little ways away from those guys. By the time the guys they're courting make decisions, this, this window will have closed. The window with a lot of transfers is right now. And like I said earlier, Tim, this is one of those deals where they just cannot move. They cannot be ultra aggressive in the portal like some other programs can because they don't know if they're going to have any space. And I got to give you credit because you <laughs> I remember when you first mentioned the possibility of Hunter coming back. And I was like, man, <laughs> what did Tim have to drink today? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, Where is this coming from? But you saw it and had everything to do with what the NBA you know, how they view Hunter's fit. And you went over that to a, a large extent on one of the past episodes. It bears, it bears bringing back up because we, we had a chance to see Luca, Luca Garza here and there over the course of the season and a little more uh, as they were coming down the home stretch of the year. But that sort of feels like, to your point, how the NBA would view Hunter, does it, does it not? Yeah, um, I, I've, I've really thought all along that Hunter would return. Um, and that was even after, um, you know, before the Air Force football game, we, we talked and Hunter told me, he said, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to the NBA after this year. And I thought, cool, that's great. I, I'm anxious to see how this plays out. Um, but I, I had a lot of questions. Look, I, I think that Hunter is really a smart guy. Um, he's got some money in his pocket, right? Through the NIL. I don't know what his deal is, but you know, life is good for him. Uh, he's literally the big man on campus and he's very popular. He's having fun. Um, he's got a car and, and I think that he's the type of guy that can really appreciate the, the campus environment. Um, I think back to my college experience and it was a lot of fun. The, the NBA was thrilling, but there's no doubt it was a job. It was an entirely different feel. And the, the, the um, you know, the performance pr 
pressures in the NBA are, are just incredible. So I think that Hunter knows that that long term, um, this is good for him. And and I was also thinking about this. Um, bear with me because you're going to roll your eyes for a second. But I think that Hunter, his advantage by coming back to school long term is I think he can become a little bit like Ralph Sampson and Patrick Ewing and David Robinson and Alonzo Mourning. Okay. Not that caliber of player in terms of being a future Hall of Famer, but by being the best center in all college basketball. And, and the reason that's important, if you stay in college for three or four years, you let the fans fall in love with you. They get to know you. Some of the fans, they cheer against you. You know, your, your home crowd loves you to death. And what happens along the way is you win titles and you dominate and you grow your game. And maybe most important, I'm glad you brought up Luca. you become a legend. And, and that's the, the great thing that Hunter has a chance to do. And, and Sam, when I broadcast the, the Pistons pregame and postgame show, I'm always amazed at when Luca comes in the game, and, and, and he did a nice job this year. Luca played 30 games in the NBA. He had three games where he scored 20 points. Um, he, 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 he did a good job. But I, I think that when, when Luca comes in the game for the Pistons, the crowd cheers the loudest for him of anybody on their team other than Kay Cunningham, right? They, they know him. And how do they know him? Well, these are Big Ten fans that, that follow Michigan and Michigan State, and they've all seen Luca play in college, so the familiarity is there. And he's a lot like Hunter Dickinson. He's not he, he's 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 not as big, but he's a force inside, and and he is 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 really skilled, and he's improving. And I think Hunter will continue to move in that direction. And those guys are friends, and I know that they've talked. It's not easy the way Luca's up and then down, and you know he's on the G League tonight, and tomorrow he's playing the Pistons, and, and he loves to play, so that's great. But that's why I think that it might be a, a good thing for Hunter Dickinson to try to become Patrick Ewing and dominate college basketball for four years, and then I think he'll get his chance to play in the league for sure. Yeah, I wonder if this is a phenomenon for – that we'll see with big guys, big guys sort of making the decision to, to play the long game, understanding. And I'm talking about big guys like, like Hunter that aren't the, the super uh, athletic run jump guys. They might be, you know, more fit. There, there's something, maybe they aren't quite tall enough or they don't seem to, to be as twitchy uh, mm -hmm. like the, the, you know, the switch everything big man that the NBA sort of emphasizes, but you look around. Armando Bacat is coming back to college. There is huge talk out there that Oscar Schwebe is going to come back. Now, he's going to test the draft process. But, Tim, I mean, you're talking about the National Player of the Year. Talking about, I mean, seriously contemplating, and Kentucky people say leaning towards coming back to college. I mean, it gets to what you're talking about, building up that legendary long play status, uh, you, NIL opportunities, and it sounds like some things are being worked out for Shuibe so he can take advantage of that too, but you can 
maximize some earning potential right now because those guys, you know, one, two, maybe all of them would be G League out the gate. Why not stay, get some money, build your legendary status, and still take that same shot at the NBA once your eligibility is up? I, I just think that the college is a really good breeding ground for young athletes. Um, I think we're seeing it a lot in hockey, right? That's why Michigan's hockey team was so dominant is that a lot of the NHL team said, look, we know you're going to be really good. Go develop your skills and come to us as more of a finished product. I think that, that Armando Baycott has some things that he needs to work on, including how to lead your team even better. Oscar Shibway, you know, I, I did a couple of his games when he was at West Virginia. He's a raw talent. But if you continue to refine him and he comes into the league as a top 10, top 12 pick, he's going to make a lot more money with that course as opposed to being, you know, a, a 25 pick or, or even lower. Yeah, so uh, that bodes well for, for Michigan. If he's if Hunter's thinking along those lines and I, you know, full disclosure, talk to a couple of, you know, really, really good team sources. And they said, hey, he's he's at least giving the impression to those in the program, to folks in the program, that he's going to be back. Now, they all stop short and say, hey, he's definitely coming back. But just the impression that they're getting so far is that they, they at least think that he's leaning that way. Now, we know how leanings can change, right? Got to wait to see how, how he comes through that process. You got to believe, Tim, having gone through it already, having seen Lucas' path, you got to believe that he he probably really does have a good idea what he's going to do. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And I just I'm a big believer in building that that legend. And, you know, like DJ Wilson has made a lot of money. Right. He, I, I'm sure that he he's probably enjoyed his time. But where is he at? <laughs> I, I don't know. And where is he going to be next year? I don't know. He may be in Belgium for all we know, because he came to the league as an unfinished product. And, you know, I am, um, I made a comment on Twitter during the NCAA tournament that the NBA is not a developmental league. And there were a bunch of people that were saying, what are you talking about? All they have to do is work on their shot all day. They don't have to go to class. That's not true. You know, you, you can't get the kind of work, um, at, on a G League team, as you can working with Juwan Howard and being at the top of Iowa's scouting report when you play them on the road. It, it's just, it's hard to go to the league and get reps. And my rookie year, I wasn't playing the first two months of the season. I hired a guy that went to the gym. He was a good ball player. We played one-on-one -on -one and full court for hours so I could try to stay in shape and still you know, try to fine tune some things. The NBA is not a developmental league, okay? They play a ton of games, and you just don't get the reps that you do in college. Yeah, man. I mean, I didn't plan on going this this route, but I, it, it bears a mentioning. I wonder if Isaiah Livers gets this deal that he just got if he leaves a year sooner. I mean, he he came back and and really showed himself as more of a scorer, even more of a shooter, and even though he got hurt at the end, and while he had to, you know, he had to get some G League time in, you got to believe that that extra year of preparedness put him 
put him on the track to win. His number was called by the Pistons. I mean, man, he as soon as they caught him up, he got in the game. He's hitting threes like out the gate. Tip, you watch. It's like, oh man, Zay is he's showing that he belongs right away. And the, the Pistons are talking like he's a part of their future. Sam, he he is very much a finished product. Uh, and 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 I give John Beeline a lot of credit. Before games, I watch the way that that Isaiah Livers has has been able to indoctrinate all of the John Beeline stuff into his game, um, automatically passing to the outside hand, uh, his footwork and and his balance when he shoots, all the things that Killian Hayes and and Cade Cunningham are trying to learn. Isaiah Livers already got that from his college experience. And, and so I just, I, I personally, if, if I was drafting NBA players and this is counter to what a lot of teams do, they want the youngest guy possible that they'll look at Killian Hayes and say, I want that guy. He's only 20. He's got so much room for growth. I kind of like the guy that's 23 and is, is going to help me win right now because the guy that's 20 he may not be any good till he's 26 or 27, and he's probably playing on another team. I, I have no problem with players developing in college. Yeah. I liked Tyrese Halliburton. I'm just saying that was the <laughs> guy that I was saying they should have picked with that pick, but hey, it's water under the bridge now. Um, Musa and Caleb, and we, we talked a little bit about them in passing before. Uh, but again, when I say they don't have a scholarship to offer, that is because it has really, you talk about the possibility of all three coming back, that has really become a thing. Like they are, that is a distinct possibility. I did. I thought that was no way that would happen uh, early in the year. Now you talk to people in the program, no, that, that's legit. I'm not guaranteeing, and I know you aren't either, Tim, that that will happen, but the talk is that it's, it's extremely possible. So that being the case, you know, what do you think, what do you think of Moose's prospects? What do you think of Caleb's prospects? What are NBA teams saying about those guys uh, right now? So, so Sam, I, I, um, I haven't had a Pistons game in, in a couple of weeks, but I, I, I've spent the whole year talking to NBA scouts about both of them. And, and I also remember Musa when he was at the top 100 camp, I, I have memories of how how athletic, but how fragile and frail he was, and I and I and I see how much he has grown, and it gives me a lot of confidence that Musa is going to be an NBA player. Uh, loads of potential and upside, and I can't really predict his path right now on whether he's going to leave, but I do know that that Juwan is a relationship builder. And, and I think that, that Musa trusts Juwan and likes his mentoring. And, and I think that when Juwan says, if you come back, I'm going to make you better. And, and I'm going to make you into a, a lottery pick. I think that, that Musa believes that. Um, I do think it would be good for Musa to put his name into the NBA draft and test the waters. Um, there's a lot that you can learn by going through the interviews. And, and going through the combine testing, um, and then to, to be able to play against the other guys that are, are considering it. Um, when, when I say that about Musa, if he listens and will come back, how nice if next year, rather than, than being 6'11 and what, 210, that he could be 235. And I do think that his frame could, 
could develop that. Um, I think he's got to get a lot better, just a lot of reps at setting that elbow screen and rolling to the basket for a lob. He's got to become a better rim protector. And I think that his form is fine. I think last last fall I was telling you that in their closed workouts, he can make a three. We didn't see it, but his form is fine. And he just needs a thousand shots a day to become that. Um, and, and once again, if he comes back and Caleb is back and Hunter Dickinson's back, Michigan's back competing for a final four next year. Yeah, it's funny you talk about uh, – I'm only going to tell this story because – or make this guy because Phil uttered it on the air. He said, when I first saw Moose – I'm talking about Phil Martelli. He said, when I first saw Moose shoot, I thought the building was going to fall down. He was <laughs> tossing up so, so many bricks. This is, that was Phil Martelli. That's not me talking. Uh, but he, he said that to talk about how much more comfortable and how much more consistent he got in practice with with shooting jumpers and so if if he can make the same sort of progress that we saw hunter make you know shooting the basketball wow you know and if he can make the same progress as a passer because they were really sort of restricted in terms of role definition when those two were on the court together musa had to be the guy in the paint it had to be you know hunter had to be the one away from the basket they just you know the consistency of, of passing of post of post entry Hunter was better at that. If Musa can make it so they're more interchangeable uh, in that in that circumstance, then that adds to the versatility of, of the guys up front. What about Caleb? So I didn't see Caleb. He didn't come to the top 100 camp. Um, but I believe that out of the three players, he is most likely to return to Michigan. And, and based on what he's experienced, on, on what he learned this year, I think he's going to have an amazing summer. Um, and, and I, and I kind of go back to what I felt as a freshman. Um, I learned so much and, and the game was so fast for me and, and I could never really catch up. And once my freshman year was over, I couldn't wait to get in the gym. As a matter of fact, the, the, the very next day after we were eliminated at the carrier dome against Jim Beheim and and um routins and roosevelt Bowie and all those guys um i i was at the im building playing in a pickup game against anthony carter and john wangler and, and all the football players um i i knew i had a long way to go and and i just i was so enthused to play uh when you look at caleb he, he didn't live up to our expectations at all and I, I thought that he was going to be an all Big Ten player, and he wasn't even close to that. But he did some pretty good things for a freshman. He played in 34 games, and he averaged over 30 minutes per game. And he led the team in most threes attempted and most threes made. He averaged double figures, and he's 6'8", 200 pounds. I, he might have been less than that you know, after the wear and tear. And, and so I look at Kale of Houston and, and I feel like, look, the goal should be really easy next year. Be one of the top 15 players in the Big Ten and bump that three-point shooting up a little bit closer to 40%. And you're a lottery pick, which means that you're playing major minutes, maybe even starting as a rookie from day one. And, and if, if you go this year, you know, you'll probably still be a really good NBA player someday, but in the short term, 
you're going to be sitting on buses and flying commercial and and it's not it's not as as nice as it is playing at Michigan in Ann Arbor. And I think they get a lot more gear and there's no NIL in the G League. So I, I think that Caleb is smart. I think he's got a really good relationship with Juwan Howard. And whereas, like I saw Max Christie, who led the team in minutes and 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 um, shots, you know, he left because I don't think that he and Tom Izzo necessarily got along very well. Um, I think that that Caleb and Juwan get along splendidly. Yeah, uh, hearing the same thing and concur. 100% man hopefully it works out hey, Sam do we have time I have two two topics that I'd like to close with if it's okay sure go for it so the first one I want I, the second one I, I'm going to talk about is the calendar and why that's such a challenge for 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 Juwan in his roster management um, the first one is for you can you explain um, why there are not opportunities to grab a player in the portal now i think it's important because the roster fluctuation is so hard to figure um brandon johns left right okay and you know there's always a possibility that, that another player could leave what needs to happen for michigan to grab another guard so you need to have one of those one of those spots open up by someone deciding to go in the portal this is really the the long and short of it you know, their their scholarships were taken up by the recruiting class. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you knew that you were going to have some some roster attrition, some natural roster attrition uh, this year. And so now, I mean, if, if, if Brandon had decided he wanted to come back, you you would have I think they would have had that allowance because he's a he could have used COVID his COVID player. shirt. Yeah. He's a COVID player. And that's what would have allowed you to do that. But you can't you can't go over with new guys. So until they know for sure that they have one of those scholarships open, I mean, you can talk. Can they talk to guys in the portal? Sure. So let, I'm just throwing this out there as a for two for instances. Let's say they have some interest in Adam Miller or they have some interest in Antoine Davis. You can talk to those guys, but you're talking to them about a possibility, whereas other programs are talking to them about, I have a scholarship right now. Are those guys going to wait for your situation to clear up versus following through on a on a real live a real life available opportunity over here that's the quandary that's the the tough spot that Michigan is in right now they just can't move definitively in the portal and, and offer scholarships until they know they have a scholarship to offer so you you answered it like I thought you would and and it's very easy to understand um, Juwan Howard may want one of his players to leave because he needs another guard. Um, and the challenge of that is the calendar. Um, so you've got until I think the day, let's see, one week from the day up, see, a week from Easter is the, the key date. And that's when you have to put your name in whether you're going to go test on the draft combine. Um, the team's decide who they want to be at the combine. So if Hunter or Musa or Caleb want to go, they'll all get invited. The next big date is May 16th through the 22nd. That's the draft combine in Chicago. They go and they interview with the teams. They do the testing. They do the, you know, the, the shooting drills. 
And that's really hard when you have to scrimmage also because the guys there are playing for a spot in the NBA. They go really, really hard. Um, you know, who struggled with that last year was EJ Liddell. And that's why he went back to Ohio State. Um, so the, 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 the really important date, and this is amazing to me, June 13th, uh, that's the early entrant withdrawal date. Oh, wow. It's and, the 13th. I thought it was the first. Good grief, man. Yeah, I, I can grief. recheck that, but I think it's June 13th. Man. And, and I, I don't think that Michigan's players will wait that long, but that can tie up your whole summer and just kill your recruiting because yeah. guys want to get to their campus and you know, find out where they're going to live and get some new gear and meet their teammates and work out with the coaches. June 13th is a long time to wait and keep your rust roster in flux. You will hope, and this has to be what the coaching staff is hoping, that maybe the guys, you know, have some idea earlier than that and can let them know uh, before June what they want to do. That might just be wishful thinking, though. Right. And there's there's no doubt that that Juwan may tell some guys, look, you're not going to play here um, to, to, you know, maybe somebody that's on the roster or he may say to one of his three big guys, look, you, you know, we can't we can't tie this up the whole year. Make your decision either, you know, come back or go to the draft and we love you either way. But but Michigan really needs to find a way to add a guard because if they don't, you can have all the big men you want, but they're, they're going to, they're going to have a hard time covering people and pick and roll next year. All right. So went to the NBA site and that that's the definitive one, which is probably the one you cited. Tim says, Hey, it's the 13th NBA early entry, uh, entrant withdrawal deadline 5 PM on June 13th uh, is the date. You just hope that it doesn't go that long. <laughs> you know, both these guys figure it out sooner than that. And then that'll give that if Michigan needs the flexibility in the portal, then they'll have it. They'll have the opportunity to go out and maybe uh, still pluck a guy or two that can come in and help them. So we'll okay, see. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to break down tape with you on Terrence Shannon or Sam Sessoms or Adam Miller until I know that there's a roster spot. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I hear you. I will. I, to all of you who sent me messages about Antoine Davis, I'm sure Michigan would be interested if they had a scholarship, right? I mean, that guy gets buckets. Maybe he can walk on. <laughs> that, that might be a whole new thing, Sam, with NIL, that, that guys right? can pay for their own college with their NIL money. That, that might yeah. be something to look at. That could be. That could be. So, Tim, uh, was there another one that you want to hit before we got out of here? I'm done. I just want to wish you a happy Easter, Sam. Likewise, my friend, to you, to Michelle, to your whole family. Uh, it, it is just a thrill ride whenever we get a chance to sit down together and talk Michigan basketball. I just think I thank Michelle for letting us uh, for letting us get some of your time, man, because she doesn't man. know, Sam. All right, man. Well, like always, always a blast. Looking forward to the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insight.